Hi, for those of you visiting today, I'm Kelly. I'm the lead pastor here. It's good to have you. We are in a series in the book of Psalms today. And I know that sometimes I like to use pop culture references, TV shows, but you know, that's my thing. And today's, I promise, it's short, it's sweet, it's relevant. Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Okay, it has the word playlist, our series says playlist, but really, the concept of this show is what I want to share with you today. Because there's this, there's this magical power that Zoe, the main character, discovers in episode one. She realizes that she can hear other people's thoughts through song. So she's walking along and someone just busts out a big song and dance number and they're expressing their internal feelings through song. Here's the trick. Only Zoe can hear these songs. And number two, the people don't know that they're singing these songs to her. So they don't realize that she understands what's going on. And she's trying to figure out why did I get this superpower? And she realizes that her job then is to go to the people who've sung to her and try to help them through their struggle because she's reading what's going on inside. And I really like that concept because music, songs, the things that we listen to or the things that we sing or play, it expresses something inside of us, doesn't it? Songs can be very personal. And just as we're looking through the book of Psalms, it's a whole book written for different purposes. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about Psalm 150 and how it was written for celebration and an entire praise service for a community. But last week, we discussed a psalm that was poetic, and David wrote it about an experience he had. And this week, we're going to look at another psalm from David, Psalm 63, and it's very personal. It's very personal because sometimes you write music for others and sometimes you write it for yourself. Last week, we talked about the catharsis that happens when we create. When you, if you were to write a song, if you were to make a piece of art, if you're to do anything creative at all, there's something that can happen inside of you that you get to praise, you get to celebrate things, you get to process any negativity inside of you. Our creativity helps us with that. But this week, what I want to focus on is why it's important for us to pay attention to other people's creativity. If they're making something and putting it out into the world, what does that mean for us? So we're going to read Psalm 63 today. And David wrote this. And it says that when he wrote this, he was in the desert of Judah. He wrote it for very personal reasons. And yet, it's published here in this book, so we can see what's going on inside of David and what we can learn from it. Ready to dig in? I forgot um, to put on the screen that it says, David wrote this in the desert of Judah, so he's in a wilderness, he's in a very dry land, which is going to happen in verse 1. We see, God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. David has surrounded himself. He looks to the left and to the right, and everything around him is dry. It says a parched land. There's another version that says a weary land. 
He can feel the lack of nourishment around him. But here's what I want us to consider. Historians say that this, they're trying to put a timeline on when in David's life he would have written this psalm. And some people think it is when he has been king, he has adult sons now, and one of them is trying to kill him. So he went on the run and he went out into the desert. So think of this feeling that he could have been having as he's writing this. The dry and the weary land, that's not just what's around him physically in nature. Can you imagine that that's what's going on on the inside? We said last week he was on the run for his life when he was young. Now he's old, you figure out he's grown, he's had experiences in life, and yet someone's still trying to kill him? This seems like treacherous, but also it's his own son. What has gotten into their relationship? Can you feel the brokenness there, the dry and weary land? And so who does David long for in this time? He's seeking God. He knows that his thirst for something cannot be quenched except for the Lord. Let's look in verse 2, 2 through 4. David continues and says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. This is a very worshipful moment. David is expressing something very personal here. That no matter if he is having good times or if he is struggling and feeling all alone, he knows he can go to God. Because why? He has seen his power and glory in the past. Because we know that as David has gone throughout his life, that God was with him, God spoke to him, God told him, you will be king, and David became king. And I imagine that he had some amazing worship services in his day. So he has seen glory. He's seen power. He has seen power of, of literal kings on earth, and yet he has seen the power of an eternal king above. And he's reflecting on all of these things and saying that he's going to commit to continue to praise God, even in this lonely desert time. Verse 5 says, I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. So first he's talking about a dry land, and now he's comparing his praise to food. Okay, I have to tell you two different translations I read on this because I found the words funny. In the ESV, it says, with fat and rich food. And the NASB says, as with fat and fatness. Like, this is some comfort food, guys. This is not, he's not eating a kale salad here. He's talking about remembering, like, how full you feel. Think about how full you feel when you eat your biggest splurge. All the ice cream that you want. All of, all the carbs that you can think of as with rich food. And you know that feeling? I mean, sometimes it's too much of a feeling, but you know that feeling. David has spent his life living with good things. We could say sometimes David has spent his life pursuing too much of a good thing. He may have had more than one relationship in his life. He may have been eager in battle and been very into being a celebrity in his life. But now he's looking back 
And he's realizing celebrity, relationships, being looked up to. Sometimes that's something we crave. And David is alone here. And where has that gotten him? He's on the run for his life from his own son. It didn't matter if he was a celebrity now. The relationships that he had and how he treated people, that's what mattered. And he's going back and realizing he might have chased after rich food, but only God satisfied. Verses 6 through 8 will continue on. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you, and your right hand upholds me. If there's a time when things are on our minds, when does it hit most? Probably nighttime. Can't fall asleep. Too many things rushing in your mind. And sometimes you can feel so very alone with your own thoughts. You can't sleep. You can't always articulate why. But something's going on. And David is saying, even in the darkness, in the shadow of night, the watches of night in his bed, he's turning to God. He's got nobody else to, who knows everything that's been going on in his heart. Who knows all the thoughts that have been raging. God is with him and knows. And so that is who David clings to. And David could also be communicating that he can trust God now. Why? Because he's clung to him before. We said, David, is, David ran for his life before this time, and yet God saw him through. So David can reflect at night on all of the things that God has provided for him. And sometimes we need to tell ourselves that, right? I've had nights where I can't sleep, and so you, you try to push away the negative thoughts and remember all the good things, like tomorrow will come. Tomorrow came last time, it will come again. So reciting these reminders for David helped him through the night. And then we'll close with verses 9 through 11. David gets a little angry here. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword, become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. We've got the word jackal here. I had to look up this animal, and I found a picture. It's in the wolf-dog family. But basically, these were the animals that would eat dead carcasses. So David's calling people out like, you come after me, you're going to be dead carcass eaten by a jackal. It's really great into the song, right? Can you imagine the tune at this point? David often processes in his personal life, and sometimes they end kind of negatively because that's what he's dealing with. But isn't that life? Sometimes you're praising and at the end you're like, but God, please rescue me from the liars and those who want to end my life, may they be eaten. Okay, that's maybe not a song that you would sing. But yet sometimes we feel this way and we may not want to articulate it. But David here, he's processing things and this psalm is very personal to him. But you know what? What can we benefit from reading it? Well, just like the things that you might choose on your own song playlist. Why do you choose the songs that you listen to? Well, sometimes 
You like music because you want it to lift you up, to keep you moving. Sometimes you choose a song because it says everything within your heart and how did they know it and how did they put it into these words? Like this is what songs can do for us. And when we read other people's songs, we can find language to deal with our own lives. And I happen to know because this is one of my favorite psalms, not the jackals part. I like the beginning better. But this psalm, I can remember the first time that it really connected with me. I was sitting on a plane and I was traveling by myself and I was gonna go see some people. And I had no idea what was gonna happen when I got there. I was gonna need to have some hard conversations, maybe some good ones too. But I feel like I wasn't gonna go back to being the same person as I was before this experience. And I was really stressed out. And I was trying not to be claustrophobic on a plane and I opened the Bible and I came to this psalm. And it felt like singing about God and remembering all the ways he delivered me before. All the things that he had taught me, all the experiences that he had walked me through. And so I just kept reading this psalm over and over and it became my prayer. And that's what psalms can do. Because there might be days when you when you're doing well and you're praising God, and this gives us language for that in those top verses. There might be nights when you can't sleep, and this can be your prayer. And maybe you're angry and you just need to talk about jackals. I don't know. But these, sometimes when we pay attention to other people's creativity, we recognize ourselves in it. And we can find language and we can also find connection to realize David was a human just like us. Yet God did amazing things through him. God can do the same for us. And maybe we look out into the world and think, I'm not alone because I've felt this way before. And sometimes you feel like, is there something wrong with me for being on feeling lonely, feeling sleepless, feeling angry? No, this is human. This is God made us. He's given us emotions. He's given us experiences. And he's with us as we work through them. So while last week we were looking at creativity, in order for us to process our own things, this week I want us to consider people's creativity on their behalf. Two things. Number one, we put form to our own feelings. Even when you listen to a song that someone makes, or if you see a piece of art that someone has created, and maybe you think, hey, that message resonates with me. It connects us together in our humanity to realize we're more similar than we are different. And it may be someone else's work helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus. But secondly, and this is what I really want to zoom in on today, by paying attention to other people's creativity, we get the opportunity to listen in order to learn, to learn about someone else. If someone makes something and puts it out into the world, it is communicating. When you ate the bread of communion today, Burke, a part of our church, he made that bread. You used your senses to taste something that he created. And there's something you can learn about him through that. If you walk back into this first classroom, on the walls are pieces of art painted by Melissa. And you can learn something about her by looking at that art. 
We can listen not just with our ears, but with our, all of our senses. Because everything that someone else created, we as an audience member, we can receive. And we can learn something more about them. In that spirit, I wanted to ask a few people today. Echo Church is very creative. And in the spirit of songwriting, I know there's a number of people here, most of which you saw on the stage today. And they write their own songs. And I asked them a little bit about it. I asked them, why would you write music? What does that do for you? How does it connect you to others? Matt, whose birthday is today, says he writes compositions and improvises as an escape from everything else. Kaylin, my own daughter, she said it's her version of creativity, telling stories, expressing herself. Blake, who sometimes runs our sound, is not here today, but he calls songwriting mental exploration. I love the idea of building something from scratch and the decision-making aspects of composing. Can you see this? Can you gain something by hearing about what's going on in their minds? Dylan noted that writing a song has been a way to process deep emotional highs and lows. And similarly, Garrett shared that there was a time when his uncle passed away and a song just poured out of him. If we ask questions of one another, we can learn something about each other. If I see something that you've made, I know you want a different level. And you know, when Jesus was on this earth, he had a big agenda. He could have stayed really busy checking things off his list. But he stopped and he saw people. He was interrupted and he still listened and saw their very souls. When we give the gift of attention to someone else's creativity, we're living like Jesus. We're seeing people and who they really are. And just like that TV show, Zoe, maybe, maybe we see something deeper inside someone and we realize they need encouragement. If we can get out of our heads and look around and listen and pay attention, it draws us all together on this life. Because as we've been saying just about every week this year, we need each other. We're journeying together, and it's hard sometimes. And even when you have the joyful times, it's fun to share with others, right? We live in community. We've been called by God to live in community. As Jesus died for all of us, we get to show his love and live out his sacrifice by paying attention to others. So if you will this week, I would just challenge you to look, listen, smell, taste, and hear. Try to connect with someone around you by noticing what they've created. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for David's words in Psalm 63 that said earnestly, he seeks you. We desire that too. We seek you, Lord, and we want to seek one another because you've called us to live this life together. We thank you for the creativity you've put in all of us, and we want to look around and appreciate that in other people. Thank you for the messages you communicate with us every day through the things we see and hear, and we thank you for giving us one another to live this life with. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.